Hello and welcome to Resourceful, stories from the site, proudly brought to you by Resources Unearthed. At Resources Unearthed, we help executives, professionals and business owners in mining and resources to be successful both personally and professionally. We've created this podcast to help you in your employment or business, and we'll be chatting to people who have a proven track record of success in the industry. Thanks for joining us. I'm James Marshall from Resources Unearthed, and welcome to today's episode of Resourceful. We've got something a little different lined up for you, as we're putting our very own Brett Crib in the hot seat. An ex-mining engineer, Brett is the founder of Resources Unearthed, a director of Stratus Financial Group, and the host of this podcast. He started his career in Mount Isa and progressed quickly through the ranks to underground mine manager. After some time working in the field, Brett came to realize that his passion was in a different industry. With a keen interest in financial services, Brett took the leap and joined the financial planning community. In previous episodes, Brett has mentioned the hedgehog theory, and today he delves into greater detail as to what this means and how this can be applied to find a career path that will work for you. Hi, and welcome to a special episode of Resourceful Stories from the Site. My name is Madeline Dagg, and I'm the marketing coordinator and a contributor here at Resources Unearthed. Now you may notice I'm a little different to your normal host. Today marks our 10th episode of Resourceful, so to celebrate, Brett Crib will be in the hot seat. Many of you will know Brett as the Managing Director and Founder of Resources Unearthed and a Director of Stratus Financial Group. But what you may not know is that his experience in the mining and resources industry goes back about 10 years to his time as a mining engineer. Now I could tell you more about his evolution from engineer to advisor, but I'm absolutely certain that I won't do it justice. So, we're about to explore some of Brett's most memorable stories from the site. So wherever you are, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Resourceful. Welcome to the hot seat, Brett. How does it feel? Oh, thanks, Maddie. It's great to be here in my own hot seat. (laughs) (laughs) So to get us started today, I feel that we need a bit of context on how you started in the mining and resources industry. My journey probably started in school where I had an interest in maths and sciences, I guess that evolved through grade 12 and decided to do engineering. Certainly didn't think about doing mining engineering at the time, (laughs) but I did engineering and it probably was in about first year uni that uh, I got exposed to mining engineering and thought it'd be something I'd be interested in doing. Always had a bit of an interest in finance at the Mm -hmm. time, which I hadn't sort of worked out, but um, that led me towards thinking about being a director of mining companies and well, Matt, that might be interesting. And mm. so going down a mining engineering path might be interesting to do that. Yeah. And uh, I think we'd had a few career talks from people in mining engineering at the University of Queensland. And that's probably where the interest developed. Mm. And from there, I went into second year engineering in mining engineering and did a vacation experience work at Mount Isa Mines, mm. where I was fortunate enough to receive a scholarship um, from. MIM, a fellow by the name of Mark Adams, who many in the industry will know, approached me and talked to me about applying for the scholarship and got me into it. And so he was the manager of the section that I was working in at the time. And so I got the scholarship and that got me into mining engineering and got me interested and started me off in Mount Isa Mines, where I worked for 11 years. So can you talk us through a bit about how your career progressed from starting as an engineer to where you left the industry 
and if there's any particular skill sets that led to this progression. I started at Mount Isa and, and worked, as many people do, in a variety of different fields. Great graduate program up there where you got exposed to a whole heap of different <laughs> places and different things and different people. I spent a lot of time in the end at uh, the copper mine there, at X, which was then known as X41 at Mount Isa and worked with a team of people who were quite extraordinary. I was working for most of that time, probably for about six years for Richard Morland, who is someone who sort of became a mentor of mine and probably picked up a lot of things on culture and working with people and continuous improvement that we carry forward into our business today. And just working with the team as well, Richard and I and several people like Laura Tyler and people like that have sort of reminisced over time about the team we had working there. <laughs> And it was always something that I want to emulate in our own business, which I think we've got pretty much there today. And the people were probably most of the story. You know, there were people there like Laura, Claire, Morgo, Gary Varley, Graham Davis, Peter McKelvey, all sorts of characters and different people that I worked with over time that probably formed what we do today. Yeah. But, you know, I guess the one thing I took out of that was working with the team and wanting to recreate that wherever I went. So over time, I, I sort of realised that I'd, uh, managing a mining operation was not my forte. I enjoyed it and the people working for me enjoyed me doing it most of the time, <laughs> not all the time, but most of the time. And um, living on remote sites and mm -hmm. things like that wasn't where I wanted to be. And I had an interest in finance and the work we did enabled us to develop some financial freedoms that enabled me to make a choice at the time and that choice led me to start into financial planning. Yeah, great, okay. So now that we're all on the same page about your past life in mining and resources, I have many questions about how exactly you ended up entering financial advice. So you mentioned that you always had an interest in finances, but was there another influence somewhere to get the ball rolling or was it just following that interest? Yeah, so I guess from day one when I worked up in Mount Isa, and prior to that, actually, I'd been dealing with my uncle, who was a financial planner. Mm -hmm. And uh, Max gave us, I guess, the confidence that we could do things. And I guess one of the things that I've learned over time is you just got to do something. And having someone around to support you making decisions financially was always very useful for us. Yeah. I'd started saving money with Max probably two years, you know, when I got my scholarship from MIM. Mm -hmm. So in the background, that was always developing and I didn't sort of realise it at the time. Mm. I guess over time, probably you know, from about 96 onwards when I was managing the opera, underground manager of the operation up there, people were ask, starting to ask me what I was doing with my money and where, I should, where they should save it or what they should do because they'd sort of realised I'd become reasonably successful at that. And about probably 98, I think it was, Tomo rang me up and... It was the early days of the internet and he rings me up and says, oh, what should I do with this, this money? Where should I invest it? And at the time I kept saying, oh, I should talk to a financial advisor. My uncle had retired in 96. I did a bit of research for Tom O anyway, and I sort of put some things together and then I started to think, hey, this is what my uncle did as a business. I've always had an interest in small business. I'd sort of worked out management wasn't for me and, and I guess politics, which comes involved in corporates at the end of the day, wasn't for me. And one thing that I sort of worked on with Richard over the years, Richard talking about the hedgehog theory, which is about three intersecting circles that Jim Collins, Good to Great, has written about. And the three circles are one, what are you good at? 
Two, what do you really like doing? And three, for a business, what's your economic driver or personally, what's your personal driver? And for me, if I look at it, I had an interest in finances. I was always reading the AFR at the time and, mm-hmm. and looking for what was going on in the financial world. I had an interest in shares, I had an interest in running a business. I had my uncle who was a financial advisor who'd been helping me for years and going, oh, why can't I do this as a career? Mm-hmm. So from 98 to 2000, really, I worked out what I needed to do, probably late 98 this was. So through 99, I worked out what I needed to do, spoke to my uncle, spoke to people like Ray Miles around the country about what I should do, how I should approach it and, and uh, how I could start up and where I could start up and mm. what I should do. And had also worked out obviously that I didn't need to work for another 10 years or I could take 10 years off and not earn something and still actually be able to be on a reasonable footing. So I gave it a crack and I guess I realised after starting that, what I didn't know about you know, advice to people and financial planning was how powerful financial planning could have been for most people because I started dealing with my old colleagues and people like that and realised they were nowhere near the financial position that I was. And it was purely because I'd been dealing with my uncle. I hadn't made any particular smart decisions along the way. I'd just done stuff. You'd had advice though. (laughs) Yeah, Mm. and had advice and had had an advisor who I was confident using. Mm. And you can listen to people like Ian Goodwin in our podcasts where they talk about mentors and people you can trust and people who can help you well, that's what a financial advisor could do. And I just quickly realised the power of that and how I could help people. And that was an area that I was passionate about, doing some more work in that enabled people to do what I, decisions I took, which I know now from talking to many of my colleagues or and some of my colleagues. And back at the time, quite a few of them expressed to me that they wished they could do what I'd done. They just didn't have the financial confidence to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be able to put more people in that position. Yeah. Be able to do the things they want to do, not do the things they have to do. And that's what the the hedgehog theory is all about, you know, doing the things you're good at, doing the things you like doing, and doing the things that are your economic or your personal driver. And if you can work in those areas, you're going to run a pretty good show. And that's what we did. Yeah, and it's interesting that you touched on... um some of the people you ask for advice and, and the mentoring aspect. And it's a theme that we've touched on in a few different episodes of Resourceful. So it's interesting that it also applies across financial advisory, not just mining resources. Yeah, 100%. Mm. It applies to everything you yeah. do, I think. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So we've established how you started as a financial advisor. Can you briefly walk us through your journey from start to present and include how Resources Unearthed fits into that journey? Well, I started a business by myself with a group of four other firms mm-hmm. in Brisbane here and effectively tapped into their resources. So, you know, what, what we talk about is get the people around you to help you and, and uh, rely on people. And I don't try to do everything myself. So from day one, I effectively tapped into resources and paid for access to those resources to do the things that I don't like doing, don't <laughs> want to do. Yeah. So we started the business off with just myself and accessing a power planner and administrator and then gradually built it over time. It took some time to build it. I worked uh, obviously with a lot of my colleague, old colleagues so that a niche developed in that area and over time I'd become exposed going to our conferences with groups and, and meeting, talking to other advisors, a bit like you're talking in any professional circles about business, about what you're doing how you're doing things. And I became exposed to a few businesses that were running niches and they were also marketing strongly to those niches by providing really useful 
information or services to that group of people. So that's what we do at, in our business now through Resources Unearthed and Resourceful is to really help people provide useful information to them and provide useful, whether it's financial or legal or business or professional development. So over time, we developed um, Resource Unearthed and built that marketing, which you're now part of, and and information services, if you like, yeah. to our resources clients yeah. um, to try and assist them because I'd find things that they needed assistance with and we write about them. Yeah. So that's what we do in Resource Unearthed um, and our, all of our partners to Resource Unearthed. They're there to write about things that we find you, our clients, want to know about or need some assistance with. And Resourceful Podcast was about providing more of that information. So most people will know we don't talk about financial planning in our Resourceful Podcast <laughs> because we're trying to provide you useful information to help with your careers, to help with your businesses, to help with your, your professional lives. And uh, we've developed a really good group of people around us to assist with that. And I've, I know many people in the industry who are willing to help and like we continue to talk about in most businesses there's always someone around willing to help mm. you you just, um, just got to ask them yeah mm, great so it's about giving back to the mining and resources community yeah yeah cool okay great so you've had two very different career paths but do you see any similarities between your work as a mining engineer and a financial advisor it's like any business where you're working with people and every business has its struggles or challenges, if you like, that they've got to meet. And one of the things we had to do a lot of at the mine when we were running it, particularly with Richard and people like that, was a lot of culture and continuous improvement. And I guess that's uh, one thing that I see key in business. It's pretty unusual to get a big bang thing that makes a big change. It doesn't happen overnight. They take a long time. And generally it's a lot of small things done well, done regularly, done all the time, that makes a big difference over time. Mm. And so that was one thing that I learned in working with that group of people. If you look back on what we did at the time in that operation, you know, we changed a lot of things over a long period of time. We improved the operation significantly by just making a lot of small changes along the way. Some might have been reasonable size changes at the point in time, but there are a lot of small changes mm. and a lot of improvements and that's what they call Kaizen, I guess. And, mm, yeah. and uh, that's what we do in our business. So I don't think that part's any different. The other bit, I guess, that I did in engineering was, which not everyone can do, is just to be able to see complex things and see a strategy out of them pretty quickly. Mm. doesn't mean to say you got all the answers, but you can see a strategy out of it. And a, a lot of that I got from working in that sort of environment. The other bit that I see nowadays that I think a lot of people can learn from is you can't get sidetracked by small things and particularly costs. I see a lot of, I don't see a lot, but we see enough of people who are so focused in engineering, I think, on the cost of something instead of well, what's the outcome you're trying to get to and what's the strategy and goal you're trying to get to. And if you're dealing with the right people, you don't have to worry about all that stuff. That'll look after itself. They'll generally try to do the right thing by you. And so long as you can see what that outcome is and what you're heading towards and what's the strategy to get there, you don't have to worry about those things. So I guess that's where I see the leaders in the resources industry and the really good professionals that I deal with there, the top-notch ones, that's what they see. They see it pretty clearly 
and they're not at all really, really focused on costs. You don't get me wrong, you can't have no focus on them, but it's not something they focus on. It's more about the people, the strategy and the outcome they're trying to get to and how do you get there and what do you do and who do you work with to get there mm. and what people do you bring along on the journey with you to do that. So mm. that was one thing or a couple of things. I guess the other thing I talked about was culture and working with people. That's something we've always tried to do here and, and I see great businesses do is just involve our people and and not restrain them. Don't don't give them restraints. You don't need to give them restraints. Sure, maybe there's some boundaries every now and again you need to set, but most of the time you don't. It's what's the outcome we're trying to get to. If you've got the right people on board, they're going to take you there. And most people want to do the right thing and most people want to help you and most people, particularly those who work for you, want to help you get to where you're trying to head towards and if you share the goal and share the vision, that'll happen. So that's certainly a lot of things that I saw from the industry and a lot of things that have carried on here. Yeah, so focusing on the outcome, not all the little steps along the way. That's it, yeah. 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 Okay, great. Okay, so having all that in mind and your key values and practices as a business owner, if you could give advice to your younger self, what would you say? I mean, we've talked about some of these things already, and but you know, seek out the mentors, that's been a consistent theme. Um, always be on the lookout for good people that could be your mentor um, or to help you along the way. And if you can build with people in that area, like always look for them. Uh, you know, we've found we've got quite a few people in our business now who assist us and have become mentors of mine. Without me, you don't have to go and tell them they're your mentors, but <laughs> people know that. Um, so it's that seeking out their mentors and working with them. The other bit would be one thing I learned early on in my career as an underground manager is don't write letters to people that get broadcast around the place or that will be broadcast around the place. They're on something important that, you know, you've got to be really careful what you write. You're probably better off talking to them. I certainly remember an instance where that uh, was done with all the right intentions, but it was a hot button and someone went right off the rails because of it. So be very careful what you write. Try to try to talk, even if it involves a lot of work to get out there and talk to a lot of people. You're probably better off doing it if it's important to you you're gonna to have to get out there and talk with people and get that message out by talking with them instead mm. of sending a letter out or an email out or anything like that. And uh, keep listening to your people. That's certainly one thing that you can't do enough of. Uh, the other thing that I didn't do early enough in my own business was our niche work that we do. Mm. I was prompted many times to try and get something going. I obviously hadn't listened to my own advice about, don't worry about what it costs. <laughs> Sometimes if you've got a strategy about where you're heading to, mm. you know, spending a thousand bucks or two thousand dollars on something, just take a first step. Certainly one thing I did with Bolcore who do pretty much all of our, you know, general outsource marketing work. Early on, Scott Charlton, who's sort of been a, a career coach of ours in the financial planning business, had said to me many times, Why don't you just get that thing written or get Wendy in to help you write it, whatever and it was five hundred bucks at the time and I'm going, Oh, I just don't know that I can afford this. <laughs> you know, if you've got something in business, just give it a try. That 500 bucks, I should have spent it five years earlier. And we'd, have been, we'd have been another five years down the track of where we are now in our business and would have, would have taken things a lot earlier. It would have been a lot quicker to do what we've done. Mm. And, you know, certainly we spent the 500 bucks and eventually after Scott twisted my arm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, within hours of doing that, suddenly converted work that I'd been working on for two years 
in the space of hours was done and completed in a format that I go, oh, that's exactly what I was trying to do. And instead of outsourcing something to someone, Mm. I tried to do something that I'm not good at that I don't really like doing. (laughs) And you just go, what am I doing? What am I doing here? Yeah, exactly. Um, So yeah, think about that hedgehog theory about as well about what you're doing every day and is it really something you want to do? You might be good at it, but is it really what you want to do? Or you might hate doing it, but you're good at it. So you've got to balance these things out. And it doesn't mean to say everything you do every day, you're going to like and you're going to do it. But if it's a part of core of what you do and you're not doing things you like doing or that you're not good at them, then get out of it because you're just not going to, it's not going to succeed. And so to finish off today, what is your most memorable or funniest side story? Yeah, there's plenty of them, but probably the most memorable one that we have from my time at X41, and my mate Morgo will hate me saying this one, but everyone at the table at the time got a classic laugh out of it. (laughs) And maybe I shouldn't go into the story too much, but effectively we were all sitting around the table at lunchtime, as you do on a mine site. The whole group of people were there together, and my mate Morgo is telling a story about dinner from the night before, and he was so passionate about it at the time, but everyone was just laughing their heads off because the steak of one of his kids had dropped on the floor. And then Janine, lovely Janine, picks up the steak off Morgo's plate and puts it on, <laughs> puts it on one of his kids' plates. And Morgo's, got, Morgo's lost it. And and uh, everyone is just laughing their head off at Morgo for losing it over this steak. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, the things you have at a mine site and uh, the funny memorable moments, uh, you know, the people and the culture and and, uh, and how you can get along and, and yeah. build great friendships and all pretty much all those people are, are great friends of mine today and uh, really enjoy doing, doing stuff together. So mm. it's good. Yeah. Mm, great. Well, thanks for being in the hot seat today, Brett, and for giving our listeners some insight into your life as a mining engineer turned financial advisor, as well as some history behind your business and resources unearthed. For those listening, if you'd like to speak with Brett, you're more than welcome to connect with him on LinkedIn and you'll see that profile link on our podcast series page. If you have any questions about financial advice or services that Brett offers as an advisor, I'd also encourage you to visit resourcesonearth.com.au where we have a number of free resources that are geared towards the mining and resources industry. And of course, you're more than welcome to contact us here at RU. Thanks and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Resourceful, stories from the site. We'll be back in a month with more tips and insight from our other industry leaders. We'd love to connect with you. You can find us on all the usual social channels and our website, resourcesunearthed.com.au. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode.